Today on Rolling with New York Mike. The word accountability. This is the word of this election like never before. Accountability at every level. What went on in Afghanistan? What's going on with the FBI? One of the reasons why people are getting very disillusioned about police departments because what's going on with the FBI? This raid in Mar-a-Lago and not to go on and rail about this politician or that politician, the pro-Trump, anti-Trump. It's not about that. It's about accountability, yeah. right right up and down the ladder from top to bottom. And I think we have to be accountable as citizens. Welcome to Rolling with the most patriotic man I know, my husband. And now his podcast, Rolling with New York Mike. Get on the ride. I am New York Mike, and this is Rolling with New York Mike. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being there. So the other day, we were talking about the races coming up. All the November 8th, it's a big deal. We're talking about Congress. We're talking about the Senate. We're talking about the House of Representatives. And we're talking about all the things that are going on, the rise of crime, the rise of the inflation rate, the cost of living, what happened in Afghanistan, all those things. And I reference the fact that I'm talking to somebody about the sheriff's race right here in San Diego. And and I mentioned that they say all politics is local. So I just want you to know, I'm here now with John Hammerling. You're going to meet him in a minute and you're going to find out why it's so important. And like I said, my eyes were open. We spent a couple of hours last week. I said, well, he came very highly recommended. I have a friend who's a recently retired member of the sheriff's department after 30 something years. And he called me up and he said, this is important. I said, well, you're a good guy. I know you. And I, yeah, let's talk about it. Well, let me tell you something. I had no idea. And so I'm going to kind of like not back off from what's going on because John called me this morning. We were supposed to get together and he says, oh, I'm going to be on 1170 a.m. at 1015. So I tune in and I get the Dennis Prager show. Now, I listen to Dennis Prager. I think he's great. Prager U is great. If you haven't done anything with Prager University, <laughs> check it out. It, it's important. Dennis Prager is one of the nicest, most <laughs> moderate, easygoing guys. He's right on target. Don't get me wrong. He's very conservative. But he's so easygoing and moderate. So I listen in this morning to hear John, and it's Dennis Prager. And he's like, go, he's on fire. He's going off on what this Joe Biden guy is doing. The fact that he's corrupt, the fact that he's a thug. And I'm going, whoa, that's Dennis Bray. <laughs> I couldn't even believe it. And it's it's all there. And I'm telling you, November is huge. It's, it's huge for this country. It's huge for our future. But all politics comes down to what we do right here in our own backyard. And it's our backyard that I'm concerned about right here in San Diego on the Mexican border as well. So I start talking to John Hemmerling to get some sense of what's going on because I think I know about sheriffs and what sheriffs do. I've been friendly with sheriffs. We sold them a lot of Harleys for the, <laughs> for the fleet, thank God, because you can't sell Harleys to the San Diego PD. They want to ride German bikes and Japanese bikes. <laughs> but at least the sheriffs... Still have a sense of riding American. I love that. So we're talking, and what's he talking about? And I'm listening, he's talking about jail deaths. He's talking about corruption. He's talking about 
all the things that aren't getting done that needs to be getting done. So I'm going to let him talk direct. I'm going to ask him a few questions, but I'm, I want you to listen and listen carefully to things you're not expecting because it's important not only that we get the right person in there as sheriff, it's important maybe that we start understanding what the sheriff's job is. So, John, welcome to Rolling with New York Mike to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate the time. Um, as, it's always nice to uh, chat with you. And um, as I, when I got a chance to finally meet you and, uh, and chat with you recently, you know, it's always, uh, it's always nice to meet an icon here in San Diego. With well, I don't know about an icon, but you're a 30-year Marine. Yeah. That's an icon to me right there. Yeah. And, we have, and, I, and as I found out, we have some kinship, you know, um, combat tours. I know you um, are big and in, involved with veteran stuff as well, and um, it's important. I did a quote-unquote combat tour in Vietnam. Yeah. And it's been important to me, to all of us Vietnam vets, that guys that come after us never have to go through what we went through. Yeah. And seeing what happened in Afghanistan, not to go off track on the sheriff's race, but seeing what happened in Afghanistan. It breaks my heart. And one of the things that we're also proud of as Vietnam, that we brought the issue of POWs and MIAs to, yeah. the, to the front burner. And there were 80,000 still missing from wow. World War II, Eight, over 8,000 in mm. Korea. We, we had like about a little over 3,000 POWs, MIAs. Yeah. But in uncovering this issue and how important it was, we never expected it to come back. And never leaving an, an American behind became a mantra. And it's something, again, that we're proud of. We left, we don't even know how many behind in Afghanistan. Yeah. Not only Americans, hundreds, but tens of thousands of Afghan allies. Yeah. We, we just never thought this would happen again, but it yeah. did. But there's so much other stuff. Again, just yeah. to bring it back to local. Yeah. And one of the reasons why you've been through combat, you've been in the Marine Corps 30 years. When you got out, you became a member of the San Diego PD. Yeah. Went to law school. Yeah. Got your law degree and became a prosecutor. Yeah. So I, I want people to understand it's that background. Because we see the reason why criminals are running loose is because the district attorneys, the prosecutors, aren't prosecuting. There's no bail all over the country. Now Illinois is a state is is talking about rescinding bail for anybody in anything. We we gotta make sure and, and again I learned so much about the sheriff's department. My biggest concern was the fact, here we are in San Diego. I worry about our backyard. Yeah, rising crime here, for sure. Right here, well, we're on the border. Yeah. We have crime coming across the border. We have fentanyl. We have drugs. We have have human traffickers in huge numbers. It's right here in San Diego. They don't have to bust them to San Diego from Texas. It's here. Yeah, for sure. And, and we need to be concerned, but there's so much. Why am I talking? <laughs> <laughs> well, you talked about it and you hit a lot on a lot of those those issues. I can go back to uh, kind of the reasons why I'm running for sheriff and the things that are here. It's that continuation of service, you know, from the military. Those those that served in the military, you know, and this county's got a lot of veterans out there and a lot of people that are currently serving. And you kind of, um, you know, you start with that, and that's kind of gets ingrained to you. And this is this continuation of service that I've had all my life. And trying to, and, and you hope to think, I think you mentioned it earlier that you don't want others to have to go through some of the things that uh, that your generation in Vietnam and the things that you guys had to do there. But you know, it's it seems like it's an inevitable, right? Because here we are, 
you know, you fast forward, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan, we have our same individuals, you know, like myself going, you know, people going through this, families going through this, communities that have to deal with this. Yep. And, you know, it's 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 unfortunate, but um, thank God for our veterans out there and those that want to serve. And that's kind of my my service going forward for this county. You know, I um, I served here um, when I got out, when I got off active duty out of the Marine Corps, you know, I'm between active duty and reserves. I spent 30 years in the Marine Corps, two combat tours. I, uh, when I left active duty, I became a cop here in San Diego in Mid-City, the City Heights area. Um, and this was in the 90s when, you know, crime, if we all remember, crime was at a pretty much high in anywhere in the nation in the 90s. And it was spiking. And um, a lot of crime there. Um, you know, I learned a lot of lessons there when I was working in, the, in that, um, in, the, in the individuals that, um, you know, criminals you come in contact as well as the uh, community. But the, the, the problem is that, you know, I thought that there was a, there was some good opportunity, you know. It was a proud profession um, to be into then, and you know we solved a lot of the problems in the in the community by getting out there and meeting with people and really, really engaging with the community on what the problems are and how we can stop the crime, you know, and respecting victims and respecting community. We got to get back to that because crime is on the rise again, and a lot of this goes back to. Um, you know, changes in things that's been going on at the state level on, on, on the laws, but it also gets back to the to drugs. And you mentioned this, the fentanyl and things like that. There's plenty of stories out there that people can look up on, on whatever internet site that they want to go to, seeing all the drugs coming across the border, especially fentanyl. Uh, fentanyl has been a problem coming across the border. It's being taken across, and that also involves in human trafficking that's there. And you know, people don't necessarily think of human trafficking in the um, in the ways that it, that it's there. You have people that are forced to bring these drugs across the border. You have people that come across the border and they're forced into doing certain kind of work and doing things like that. All this is all part of, it, and it's because of where we're at, and we just don't have enough concentration on on trying to uh, you know protect our communities from these things and that's one of the things that I want to concentrate on you know we need good solid professional law enforcement in all parts of this county um, all the way out to the far reaches of the county and, and, and along the border we're gonna we're gonna do what we can because it is uh, the the common denominator on the rise in crime is drugs it's just, it's happening in the communities and it's also happening in our jails you know we see overdoses in the jails it's all getting back to drugs, whether it be fentanyl, whether it be methamphetamine. Well, people come here from all over the country. We have tourists coming here, visiting us. We have people moving here from all over. At least we did. Yeah. California now has, I think, a net outflow of people. But people want to live here. It's, it's yeah. a beautiful place. Yeah. You got the ocean. You got the mountains. You got the perfect climate. You got you got all these things. Yeah. And with it. For the last, what, I don't know how many years, you talk about the 90s. I, I'm, I'm only going back for the last 10 years or so yeah. to see the crime that we've had, the amount of drugs. And now this current administration's partnership with the cartels. It's a partnership with the cartels. There's no other way that I can describe it because that's what it is. It's like you said, we need every law enforcement agency. But I also look at the amount of military people. I, after Vietnam, I came to San Diego. I was AWOL. <laughs> we got back to South Carolina. My best friend was from San Diego, John Thomas. He had gotten discharged and he waited for me. It's 1966. He had a 65 Bonneville convertible. <laughs> and they wow. said, it's a cluster. Nobody knows. Not jump in. And we jumped in, took Route 66, came wow. all the way across the country. And, and we, get, we get here to San Diego. Wow. We spent three weeks. I got back. 
<laughs> but I did spend a few weeks here. Yeah. I mean, we rented a place on Mission Beach. It's a it's a great story yeah, going back yeah. in those days. But it, it gave me a, an insight about a place that was like, wow. Yeah. Such a great place. Well, people get stationed here, whether it's Pendleton or 32nd Street or Coronado or San Diego is such a military town. And by the way, strategically located. Yeah. We have to understand why it's such a military town. Yeah. Remember the Top Gun school here? This was yeah. San, San Yeah, it was, when I was here at Miramar. It was, was, here, it was yeah. something else. Yeah. And so. A lot of connection. People come here from all over, thousands and thousands of GIs. They bring their wives, their kids, their families. They, they, they deserve to come to a place yeah. where, where they're not going to be subject to the kind of crime yeah. that's going on in the streets all over. They, they shouldn't be subject to the kind of homelessness that's infecting yeah. the streets and the businesses and everything else. So yeah. we are depending upon law enforcement. We're focusing right now on the sheriff's department. Now the sheriff's department is in charge of all the, all the jails. Yeah. All all the, and by the way, we're we're also here with my my friend David, recently retired. Introduce yourself. And, Hi, Mike, and, and uh, good to be here. Uh, my name is David Popnington. I retired as a sergeant after uh, 28 years on the sheriff's department. Total of uh, 31 years in law enforcement, and uh, my last 14 years was a sergeant. Um, I came out early and spoke out when I retired in December about the, the vacuum of leadership, the poor leadership and the corrupt leadership. It, it, this is a very important race. You know, you, you hear a lot about the jail deaths and, and, and certainly uh, the, the candidate running against John has, has not have, doesn't have any idea how to stop him. Uh, you have a death that just happened a couple days ago and it appears that one was probably an overdose but, related again, yeah. yeah, and 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 here's the thing, what's what's been the uh, the solution for uh, the current leadership in the sheriff's department to stop the drug deaths? They've given you know inmates Narcan to start applying Narcan themselves to their cellmates, which when you when you start thinking about that, when your solution to stopping jail deaths is to give drugs to inmates to bring them out of the overdose. That's a failed solution, <laughs> and 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 if they can't figure out how to sit, keep the jail uh, inmates safe, what's going on on the streets? If they can't do it in the in a controlled environment, what's happening on the streets? And what you have just recently in a twenty-one hour period, a few days ago, three murders in San Diego, San Diego County Sheriff's jurisdiction: two in Lemon Grove, one in Benita. And then within about a 30-hour period, you had a kidnapping. Uh, and and what's, the, what's the commonality? You, ha- you have uh, violent people being put on the streets. Uh, the jails are being kept at a very low level. And you have staffing deputies that are being pulled back and forth like a yo-yo because the leadership is so inept at solving the problems, they're reactive. And their reactive uh, action is causing uh, split-second decisions. They don't have well-thought-out policies. Uh, I've had the chance to sit down and talk to John, and John has a plan in place day one when he becomes sheriff to stop the jail deaths, to stop the drugs coming in. One thing about 
his opponent, Kelly Martinez, when asked about the jail deaths and overdoses and the narcotics flow coming into the jails, her response was, well, the jails have always had problems with drugs coming in. She doesn't have the mindset that it can be stopped. I've talked to John, he has a plan in place and deaths in the jails will greatly reduce and certainly overdoses will, will greatly be reduced. And we're, we're, we have an important race here in the, in the county of San Diego. We have a race where every citizen safety is number one for them and their families. And accountability and transparency. We haven't seen accountability. You have a recent lawsuit that just came out on Channel 10, Channel 8, where you have a sheriff sergeant uh, who sexually harassed. And this is and this is the sheriff's department own internal investigation report. They found the sheriff sergeant created a hostile work environment, sexually harassed two female detectives, not for a short period of time, but they found for years. Wow. And it was reported and it was never addressed. And who was in charge of that command? It was the person running for sheriff, Kelly Martinez, and she did nothing about it. And we've lost two excellent detectives, female detectives, that had 10 and 11 years on the department. You just don't replace people like that. And we have a, yeah. a sheriff's department that can't hire enough. And it goes to, if I could jump in there, David, it goes to, because I, I want that's a good point there that kind of segues into that. You know, there's a lot of great deputies on the department and they deserve um, good leadership. You know, they, they, they care about their community as much as anybody else, you know, and the, you know, the problem with the drugs in the jail and the deaths in the jail is, you know, there's a couple things to it. And, you know, everyone has a different opinion about, you know, jail, people that are in jail and things like that. But, you know, you get down to it, there is a couple points on it. You know, it's the humanity of it. The job is to, you know, to care and custody. But it's also, it's reflective on leadership. Um, and, you know, if you if you can't do the right thing and keeping these individuals alive or keeping drugs out, it goes back to leadership. You know, I mean, you, the public should care about that. We want the people in charge to be people that that we can trust, people that we know that have um, a background of um, of um, you know leading and making decisions and doing the right thing. And you know, I think, like I said, the you know the uh, deputies that are out there, hardworking deputies that are doing what they can. Um, they just need that kind of direction. They're, they're going to get that from me whenever I'm sheriff. You know, I got a background in leadership from my time in the Marine Corps, my last assignment as a chief prosecutor. Um, you know, I've been, I've, I've always had the ability to make those hard decisions that, that, that others are sometimes unwilling to make. And like David said, um, you know, we can, there's, there's a solution to the deaths in the jail. There's a solution to drugs coming into the jail. There's a solution to drugs coming across the border. It's getting a leader that wants to make those hard decisions and implement them and stick with it, you know, is, yeah. is what's hard to find. And, th and that's what you're going to get in me. I mean, that's why I say I bring the whole spectrum that I've had from my time working as a cop, a street cop in a roughest area of the, of the county, you know, of handcuffing on people, putting them in jail to prosecuting them in court to running a large agency who prosecutes them. You, you know, I'm, I know what makes effective law enforcement. I know what makes effective decisions and effective um uh, leader, and you can count on me when I'm sure that that's what you're going to get. And you may not get that now. You get in the status quo. If you, get, if you want the status quo, as you'd mentioned, Mike. 
crime crime rates that are that are that are rising, especially in the last ten years, high crime rates, drugs coming across the border, and nobody interdicting that, and nobody really making making it a priority. Um, you know, victims that um, don't get the service that they deserve whenever they call, and they uh, and and they want somebody to be prosecuted, both investigated and prosecuted. And in the uh, communities, when you don't, when you have, if you're, if that's where you're at, and you're not happy with all of that, then you gotta vote for somebody else. Because what you have in in my opponent is someone who's been doing this for thirty plus years, doing the same thing over and over again. I'm the, I'm bringing a different perspective, higher the, standard. The the cry that we've heard for the last few years, since quote unquote George Floyd, has been defund the police. Everything's about defund the police. As soon as there's a crime and there's a, a racial difference between the criminal and the, the enforcement officer, everything is racial. Oh, it's race, it's this and that. If we're not starting to get tired of it, yeah. we certainly should be. Yeah. Because, think, yeah. look, there's bad people everywhere. There's bad cops, yeah. there's bad shit. We are, but the vast majority of yeah. people don't go into law enforcement to be bullies. Right. No, they, they go don't. into law enforcement to do good. Yeah. That's the average person and you, you you get out there and you you can't just be criticized not criticizing people condemning people yeah because, yeah i mean well, it's it's fair to be uh, critical of the police sometimes and the things that they do police and sheriff but but being this that that attitude out there i think it is shifting i think that whole attitude of defund the police i think it's i think we're getting away from that i think even those that um that were thinking about that they're like well this isn't a good idea no but it's still going on yeah. and i equate it and then the reason i brought it up is because what you brought up i equate it to the same attitude of Let's lower the amount of in, inmates if we're going to do something to yeah. avoid jail deaths and, yeah. and all the other things. Let's just let people out of jail. It's like you got this guy running for the what Senate in Pennsylvania. He says, oh, we, we should let third of the prisoners out of jail. This is something yeah. that's going on. And I, I don't think we as citizens want to accept the premise yeah. that you're going to solve the problem because of what's going on in jail by letting people out of jail. Yeah. Well, Mike, let me, I, let me just add in here something because one thing that you know deputies and law enforcement want is they want they, they want accountability I'll give you a perfect example you have the sergeant that just uh, has had the lawsuit filed with him in the department uh, for the sexual harassment that went on for years and there was no accountability and you had numerous people in uh, that worked under him that suffered um, you had two that re ended up resigning because they couldn't stand the, hostil the hostility. So the, the fact that there was no accountability, uh, you ended up having deputies having to suffer through that. And when you don't address people that are so clearly doing things that are wrong, it sets a standard and when you and and when a leader doesn't hold a standard that's high, and they can they condone it through not holding people accountable, you end up over a decade with, which is what Kelly Martinez has been in charge over a decade of failed leadership. You have things that, that start to fail. She was in charge of the crime lab. There's been problems with the crime lab. She's been in charge of the law enforcement bureau. And you've had numerous incidents out there where there wasn't accountability. And you want, and, and deputies want that. Deputies don't want to be having to police themselves. They want to go out and do the job that they to serve the community. Yeah. They don't want to have to start uh, 
policing other deputies. Yeah, they they yeah. want the supervisors yeah. to address it. And in this case, there was a lieutenant that was reported, I think, no less than three times about the harassment and did nothing. And and ultimately, you know what? Ultimately, it was another sergeant who finally reported it. So thank thank God there was a sergeant that said enough was enough. But still, it went for two years. But it gets back to what my comments are about, you know, we need to change the status quo, you know. there You're not going to get that if you vote for the same people over and over again, right? I mean, that's what I'm talking about. But back to your comment, Mike, and I, about the, uh, you know, letting people out. I, you know, Prop 57, Prop 57, which was um, uh, passed a few years ago, it was uh, essentially gave California Department of Corrections the authority to let people out of jail based on certain credits. And then they could do, they could change the number of credits on their own through an administrative process without going to the going through any other vetting from the the public of being voted on and they recently and I uh, it's on my website you can check I, I sent a letter to see what is the website it's uh, himmerlingforsheriff.com himmerlingforsheriff.com um, where um, they were going to they were going to do another uh, change in the rules at CDCR where it gave more credits to um, what they considered nonviolent felons and some and under that category nonviolent felon what they included in there is is individuals that if you were no matter what you were booked in on but if you had a history of attempted murder domestic violence robbery um, as long as that wasn't the charge you were currently in on you were considered nonviolent. And they were giving <laughs> they were giving extra credits to these guys so instead if you had a 10-year sentence then they wanted to change it where instead of getting out in maybe seven eight years you're going to get out in five years and this is the stuff of what you're talking about, you know. They and and we and we gave that through Prop 57, another change in California law, where it gave CDCR the you know the unilateral authority to go and do some admin changes to give these individuals credit. These quote nonviolent individuals, and I think we would all know. And Mike, you've seen it, and I know in your entire lifetime that, you know, whenever you have violent individuals, letting them out early is not going to all of a sudden make them less violent. They're going to still be violent individuals, and those are going to be what's in your community. And these are the kind of things that we need to have somebody that's sheriff that speaks up and speaks out against these things. That's why I sent a letter and um, uh, to CDCR with my name on it, uh, opposing that kind of admin change. And this is just an example of these things. You know, I, I've been opposing uh, putting the sexually violent predators out in our um, rural communities in the in the county. If you look at it, what's going on? I mean, it's because the state is getting these individuals and treating our um, our rural communities out there as dumping grounds for these SVPs, and that is just not the answer. And Thankfully, there's a lot of other people that agree to that, but we're not getting the right voice. The voice isn't getting to the community, um, and people aren't speaking out enough against it on the that are that are elected to try to stop this because it's not right. And let me let me add that you know, right now there's such a void in leadership on the sheriff's department, and and you have John here running, and here here you have someone that uh, had boot, boots on the ground being a San Diego police officer. He's a co- combat vet led uh, troops during combat, Bronze Star recipient. And then you have Chief Prosecutor. He's got way more experience than his opponent. He's shown and demonstrated more leadership than his opponent. He's outspoken to these sexually violent predators being put in our community where his opponent refuses to say anything. And when you're silent, then you basically condone it. And John's been the one consistent, outspoken, trying to provide safety for the community, make it safe for families, 
and address the numerous problems in the department. Yeah, and they just need to—they just need to really know that that it's something that I care about. Public safety is the number one priority. Preservation of life's a priority, and you know I do care about the community. It really is, I and mean, that's that's why I'm running for sheriff. There's no other reason. So, let me just say this: there are issues about this race that I've heard that I never even thought about. We need to understand a lot better, and 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 the, the word accountability. This is the word of this election, like never before. Accountability at every level. What went on in Afghanistan? What's going on with the FBI? One of the reasons why people are getting very disillusioned about police departments because what's going on with the FBI? This raid in Mar-a-Lago and not to go on and rail about this politician or that politician, the pro-Trump, anti-Trump. It's not about that. It's about accountability, yeah. right right up and down the ladder from top to bottom. And I think we have to be accountable as citizens. You talk about propositions. I look at these propositions year after year, every voting cycle. You, you try to read through and understand these propositions. Who yeah. the heck can figure these things out? Right. You talk about 57 and how it's letting people out of jail and it's doing this and reducing sentences and reducing categories of what people had done in the past. If they're not accused of doing something as violent as what they did in the past, you can't consider what they did in the past. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. But nonetheless, now we're looking at what? Proposition 26 and 27. And you see commercial after commercial on it. Should you vote for it? Should you be against it? Should be? I'm not going to be for anything yeah. if I don't understand it. Yes. But one of the things that we could do as citizens, at least, I mean, I'm not going to claim that I'm smart enough to try to figure out the propositions, but I think I'm smart enough to try to figure out who to vote for. Yeah. The people are the people. And I think we have a responsibility as citizens to vote and to understand who we're voting for. It's not black and white. It's not, oh, well, I'm going to vote for every Republican or I'm going to vote for every Democrat. I'll admit, I've never voted for a Democrat. (laughs) But there are Democrats. I I talk about Tulsi Gabbard all the time. I'd like to see who she's running against on her platform. Mm. I like Tulsi Gabbard Mm. a lot. I'm not saying I'd vote for her. But at least I'd like to understand if she ever ran. And there are other people like that. I don't want to have a blind eye to somebody. And I want to... We have a chance to meet you, John Hemerling. Now, I know you're going to be in other places, but yeah. right here, I do the podcast a lot out of the Excalibur yeah. c- Cigar and Scotch Lounge on Kearney Mesa Boulevard. I love this place. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. And, and we're going to have an event here on September 24th. It's yeah. a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, Come on down. 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. On next Saturday, the 24th. Okay. Next Saturday, 24th, 12 o'clock. Yeah. Meet John. Yeah. Get to know the candidate. Ask him questions. If you're confused or concerned, and we all are yeah. to some degree, this is not something everybody in San Diego is aware of. Right. We need to be more aware. You need to be more aware of the things that are going to keep you safe and put you in danger. Yeah. Put your kids in danger. Yeah. Go to school. How do the schools teach and do the things that they do based on things that we should not allow to be considered for our kids. And I'm not just talking about all this gender crap and and the CRTs and all the rest. There's so much more involved. We need to be part of, of what's affecting our lives. You've got to get out and vote. you got to know people. you got to learn about them. And, and it should be a nonpartisan uh, opinion that that person has on how who, they, who they're going to pick, right? you got to get to know them. Exactly. And and one of the ways you have to do is come down to Excalibur yep. Cigar and Scotch Lounge right here, Kearney Mesa Boulevard, 
on Saturday the 24th, 12 o'clock, and get to meet the candidate, get to understand who he is, why he's running, and what he could do for you. I'm not telling you not to spend time checking out the other candidate, but she's been in the sheriff's office for 37 years. Nothing's changed. I, I understand some of the people behind it, they want to just keep it the same. I'm concerned. Yeah. Not all the things you're talking about. I'm concerned about our backyard. Yeah. Right here, San Diego on the border. What's going on? Yeah. The drugs, the fentanyl, the poisoning, the overdoses. To the average citizens, to their kids. The kids are going to school. They don't know the difference. Yeah. They take a, a drug, a, a fentanyl pill that's colored like a, like yeah, a piece like, of candy. Like, it's like candy. To and they, they don't know the difference. Right. And these are all made in China, shipped here through our southern, quote-unquote, southern border. And, you know, comes across. And then it just floods our schools. It's it's just it's it's got to be stopped. Now I don't know how big the sheriff's department is, or how big it should be, or all the changes you want to make. But to me, if the other departments aren't going to lead the way, I would hope that a new sheriff in town would certainly be something that would show the way to the other departments, because the sheriffs. You're ours. Yeah. This is, you know, this is Hopalong Cassidy, man. This is that guy in the white horse with the white hat. Not to get the racial bullshit. Just don't bring that into it. I'm just saying. We we need somebody to come in here and champion the people of San Diego, California and represent us as far as... And I'm not knocking the police department, but sometimes they're too big. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, we need... We need we need to change the status quo, and that's what I'm here for. You know, you want professional law enforcement that people can have uh, faith and trust in, and you want the deputies to be proud where they're at. Um, get a chance to um, to look into it. It's an important race. Um, I'll be out here on the 24th, and people can stop by and chat with me. Um, and I really appreciate uh, Mike you giving me an opportunity just to talk because I know you got an audience that listens, whether no matter who it may be. Um, and as you said, this is something that. Um, uh, pu- public safety cuts across every um, spot on the spectrum where you fall p- politically. Public safety is important to every neighborhood. It's important to every person, no matter who you are. And it's important that we have the right sheriff. And people me. should look up to everyone in uniform. Yeah. Everyone in uniform. And if they disappoint you, then you should be able to say something and bring them to, 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 the, yeah. to the accountability. Because I know from talking to you and talking to you, David, accountability is a big deal. Yeah. I want... Every cop to be accountable, everybody in the sheriff's department to be accountable, and I want I want everyone to be held to a certain standard. Yeah. And I know that you guys are going to be holding them to the highest yeah, standard. Yeah, absolutely. And, what, I appreciate and one reason why morale is down is because the accountability is not being held equally. You have people in higher-up positions that are not held accountable, and, and the deputies see that. And it and it and it sets uh, a morale. It has a morale problem to it. And you need to have a leader that is not just going to keep everyone accountable, but is going to be an advocate for the community. When do you ever hear the opponent come out and say anything about the sexual predators coming into the community or anything that's happening? Thirteen hundred people died last year in San Diego County from fentanyl. What was Kelly Martinez' response to that? Nothing. Instead. What they did was they put a task force together for marijuana sales that were not uh, legal. 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 And and here we have 1,300 people in the county that have died from fentanyl. Fentanyl overdose. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, 
Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to go into. There's a lot to talk about. This whole drug thing. Should marijuana be legal? Should it be illegal? Should drugs? Are we going through this whole, you know, this 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 whole thing that everything's illegal and what should? It, it's it's a lot of questions. Yeah. But when you talk about accountability, I think the average citizen can understand that. Yeah. We're not talking about defunding anything. We're talking about defending the best of the best and appreciating everyone out there in uniform because they put that uniform on to do good in this community, in every community. Yeah. And to label that the other way and, and just spend time ferreting out, it, the ban is there. You don't have to go searching for it. We know where it is, leadership. And just as an aside, not to compare one thing to the other, but as a guy that's been in business, my own business, for most of my life, yeah. since I'm in my early 20s, the hardest thing to do isn't earn money. <laughs> the hardest thing to do when you're in business is to fire somebody. Yeah, It's hard. Yeah, You don't want to do it. Yeah, you know, picking up the phone and making that cold call. There's a lot of things. That are hard. But the thing that'll haunt you and, and you just it's it sometimes it takes a lot longer than it should yeah. is to fire somebody. So when you guys talk about accountability, I get it. Yeah, it's hard. And I hope the public gets it. Yeah. It ain't easy, but you know it's something you gotta say, hey, you gotta get this done. Yeah. It ain't easy, it's hard to do. Sometimes you're talking about friends, sometimes you're talking about somebody, wow, that's been going on for two years. I had no idea. But when you uncover it, something becomes clear and obvious yeah. something's got to get done about it. there's nothing being done about so much of that right now yeah. so hey All right. thanks for being here thanks Mike appreciate, really it, appreciate buddy. it thank you David, thanks Mike it's awesome we'll see you next and Saturday see you guys next Saturday the 24th right the 24th the 24th at noon. 12 o'clock yep. and uh, it's going to be a good day we're going to have a lot of fun absolutely every time I do anything here at uh, Excalibur <laughs> it's, it's fun. always fun but and this is important. Yeah, it is. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, Thanks. Hey, we're going to continue with rolling with New York, Mike, for another. We got another, I don't know, I got another 15, 20 minutes with, with you people out there. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you guys learned something. It's not often that I, I get involved in everything. Just Although Jordan Marks is another friend of mine running. We, maybe I'll get him on here at some point. It's not many that I'm... <laughs> that I'm getting involved with. But I, the more I learn about some of this local stuff and these local issues, it's, it's mind-boggling. But there's so much that's focused. You talk about accountability. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about what's going on in November. When we have these elections, what's going to happen if the, if the Republicans don't do anything? I, I, I think there's very little chance that the Republicans aren't going to do anything. There, there may be a big chance that the Republicans don't get the majority that we need, and we need a huge majority. There's going to be a, 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 a red wave, whether it's a, a wave wave or just a little bit of a, a ripple. We need that big wave, but if we get the ripple, we'll get the majority, we'll be fine. And one of the things that's going to happen is going to be accountability. You talk about that big, the A word, okay? There's going to be people brought to justice here. The FBI is going to be brought to justice. How about Hunter Biden brought to justice? I mean, I, 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 was, I started off talking about Dennis Brick. Dennis Brick's such a nice guy. He's so moderate and calm. And uh, yeah, he's very conservative. Don't get me wrong. But he was ranting this morning. And I'm listening. I go, whoa. And he's so right. You know, I always feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I get off on 
you know, this whole rant about about Biden and how horrible he is, and he is. Don't get me wrong, he is. He's horrible. But yeah, you know, I, I, I'm kind of like selfish about it because it's about him calling me a racist. I, I take it personally. Talking about MAGA people, I, I voted for Trump. I'd vote for him tomorrow morning. Dude, what does that make me? Because I want to make America great again. Is there something wrong with that? Because it's, and by the way, it's what I think. It's what I think. You're going to tell me that because I think a certain way in America. That there's something wrong with me, that I'm a semi-fascist? Is that what they call him? He called us? That's what Biden called us, semi-fascist. Why? Because we vote for Donald Trump, because I appreciate what Donald Trump did, because I appreciate the policies that he put in place, because I appreciate how he handled China, because of the respect that, that China had for us, and because of the position he put them in, because he changed NAFTA from a joke that was costing us money and, and lives, by the way, to, to a, a, a functional policy between Mexico, Canada, and the United States. Because of all those things and, and what he did to our Department of Defense, he built it up, he brought it back from, from the shambles it was in, and it's back in shambles. We know we, we, we talk about recruiting. You cannot recruit people into the military. They can't. They're not making their quotas. They're not coming close to their quotas right now. And yeah, I know obesity people aren't ready. They aren't prepared. There's too many kids who are, I don't know, on drugs. And I get all that. There's also not. Not the, you know, kid that grew up like I did, you know, with uh, with parents and families and friends and everybody came, came out of World War II. And you look at it, you look up to those people and go, wow, we should be looking up to everybody that served this country. We should be looking up to them and wanted to emulate them. That's what I wanted to do. And that's what I did. And we don't have that right now. We don't have that respect. I mean, here we are throwing people out because they wouldn't get a, a vaccine. You're going to throw out people in the Marine Corps, Navy SEALs, or you're just the average, you know, the average Joe or Jane in, in the Army. Why? Because they wouldn't get... These are people that volunteered to wear the uniform, to go through basic training, to give up their, 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 their freedom. Yeah, you give up your freedom when you go in the military. Instead of being innocent until proven guilty, you're, you're subject to the UCMJ, you know, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which says you're guilty until proven innocent. That's the way it is, and you voluntarily do that when you go in the military. You say, "Okay, I'll, 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 I'll be guilty till I'm proven innocent." Okay, it's worth it. Okay, <laughs> you go through all that, and then they you say, "Oh, wouldn't wouldn't uh, take a uh, a vaccine? Why not?" Because there are people having heart attacks, going through all kinds of things, health issues, and. The vaccine has proven that it's, yeah, it was great that, you know, Trump did it, we got it, we put it out there, and it certainly reduced a lot of the mortality and brought down the severity, but it didn't, it didn't end it. And I know so many people that have come down with COVID since, because why? Because of the herd immunity, which we heard talked about since the beginning. When so many people have it, it's like when we were kids, and you had, if, you, if you had a friend who had measles, you went to their house to get the measles. <laughs> so you could get it, get it over with, you wouldn't have to get it again. It's called herd immunity. And, and we've pretty much got that now. So the COVID isn't the death sentence that it was. So, you know, I, I, I'm a big tennis fan. And I was just watching the US Open. What a great US Open. It was fabulous US Open. But they didn't have the number one player. Djokovic wasn't there. Djokovic, the number one player in the world, wasn't there. I would have loved to have seen him play against this 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 kid, 
Alcatraz or Alcatraz, whatever, from Spain. What a great player. What a great kid. What a will to win. Loved watching him play. Some of the guys he played, this guy Rude from Norway, the American, Tiafra, phenomenal, Francis, Francis Tiafra, what a great player he was. Awesome. But none of them had to come up and contend with Djokovic. That's why maybe they got to the, to the, to the semis, the four great young players. That was great. But what a joke. Because Djokovic wasn't there. Why wasn't he there? Because he would not get a vaccine. So they wouldn't let him in the country. Now they're letting hundreds and hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens across the southern border. Unvaccinated. We don't know if they got tuberculosis. We don't know what else they're bringing across. What diseases? What anything? We have no idea. And nobody's checking them out. And don't tell me that they are. They're not. They're coming across the border in droves. But the number one tennis player in the world is excluded from the U.S. Open because he wouldn't get a vaccine. How stupid. Cops, firefighters, are members of the military losing their jobs because they wouldn't get a vaccine. We spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of training people. Do you know what it costs just to put people through basic training? You know, maybe, you know, the next course of whatever, whatever specialty they're going to be a cook. It ain't cheap. Training. You know, when you run a business, and I ran some businesses, training is hard. It's expensive. When you fire somebody, you got to bring somebody new in. It takes months. Yeah, sure. You hope you find somebody that has that work experience. But if they don't have the work experience, if they just went to school and they learned that job in school, no, 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 no. They got to have, they have to have the work experience and it's not cheap and it's hard. In the military, it's more expensive, more difficult and more critical because lives are on the line. Yeah, it's important. Hey, I got a business. I want to make a profit. (laughs) There's a lot riding on that. No, no question about it. But in the military, if somebody's not trained right, lives are on the line. In every specialty, in every class, in everything they do, lives are on the line. I always say there's, there's really no tip of the spear. Yeah, there's a tip of the spear. But you, 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 the tip can't go anyplace unless somebody knows how to throw that spear, how to handle it, how to pick it up, how to point it in the right direction, how to use it. you got logistics. Napoleon said an army rides on its stomach. The cooks, every, every person in, in, in that whole process is critical and important because lives are at stake every day. I talked about 100 and what, 103 people a year were killed in Afghanistan, 2,400 over the 20 years. We lose more in training. Those are lives that, that, that are, are dependent upon every single person doing their job, being trained, retrained, trained again. The ongoing training in the military, the boring, horrible, wake up in the morning. We're going to go through that again? Oh, my God, we just did that. Oh, oh, they're sending me to school again for what? I went to that school a year ago. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Oh, we have another exercise? I was going to get a three-day pass and go to New Orleans for the week. Oh, my God, I can't believe I got this. Hey, it's the way it is. It's so important. Training, it costs a lot. It really does. But it's so damn important. And so, listen, uh, uh, all I can say is, it's, it's, it's all part of this A word, as I called it, the accountability. So important to have this accountability that we don't have. So important to recognize that what we did in Afghanistan 
needs to be accounted for. Somebody needs to pay the price for making that mistake. Somebody needs to put up there and say, whether it's whether it's General Miley, whether it's General Lloyd Austin, the, the head of the Department of Defense, Secretary of Defense, why was that decision made? What was your input in that? Who made certain decisions? Why? How? Who? Let's talk about the energy issue. How do we get, seriously, how do we get to this point in inflation where people are spending ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 a year? People who aren't making hundreds of thousands. Somebody's making sixty, seventy thousand. $70,000. That's a lot of money. And then when they have to spend more than ten, twelve thousand $12,000 a year additional because of inflation, what? Why is energy prices going? How does the energy price affect the price of milk and eggs and everything else? It does, because everything has to be transported from one place to another. And that costs a lot of money and a lot of energy. And what's the, what's the real reality? When, when somebody like this Gavin Newsom says, oh, after 2035, there'll be no more internal combustion engine. Everything's electric. Really? Where's that? Let's, let's have some testimony of what happens when we double the amount of electric vehicles that are out there on the roads today. Yeah, we could do it state by state. We could do it nationally. What happens? How does the different weather affect electric vehicles? So if you're only going to have electric vehicles in California, how, how does that affect the manufacturers in Detroit? And where are these electric vehicles made? And how many of the components are made elsewhere, like the batteries? and all the other mineral components that are made in China. What, I mean, how are we going to handle issues when they come up? We need to understand this. We need to have a period of time where there's a transition, and it ain't 10 or 12 years. It's 20 or 30 years or longer or less. Maybe someone will invent some of The next Thomas Edison might come along and come up with some, you know, some, some great battery magic. And that's always possible, but it's not possible if you put deadlines on, just like they did in Afghanistan. Oh, we're getting out on, you know, August 25th, 2021. We're gone out. We're done. We're going to walk out and leave everything behind. $88 billion worth of weapons and, and, and ammunition. Bagram Air Force Base. Here it is, China. It's not just stupid. It's irresponsible. It hurts the country. I want this country to be great again. Again and again, making America great is every one of us, is what each and every one of us want to do. And we can do it. Make America great. America first. There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't denigrate anybody else. It's making yourself the best person that you can be. And, and that's, that's your responsibility. That's each of our responsibilities. Stay healthy, get healthy, get strong, get smart, go to school, learn, study, read. That's all of our responsibility to ourselves. And, and all of us together, our responsibility to our country, to our fellow countrymen, is to make America the best country it could possibly be. Not to divide us, to unite us. All this guy Biden has done is divide us. That's what the, the Democrat Party has done. Calling out, who's gay, who's black, who's this, who's that, what? Well, why? There's no need for that. We're all Americans. You don't, you don't just find a certain kind of person for a certain kind of job. You find one kind of person for a job, the best person, the very best person for that job. That's it. Anyway, thank you for listening to John Hemmeling. Thank you for being here today. 
I do think this is a very important race. I do think that this is something we have to, and I, and I do think it's so important after November that the that that the, that the Republicans get out there and, and 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 have the right hearings. I want to find out what happened and why. Definitely about the FBI. I want to know. Have they been used as a political tool by this administration? Not by this administration. But what about the Obama administration? What about the, you know, the 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 the, well, the, the Russia, Russia, Russia gate deal? You know, what about all that? Who caused that? We we're seeing things now. This is criminal activity by the Federal Bureau of Investigations. Let them investigate themselves. Let them form a committee. Take this guy Chris Ray, who's the head of the FBI. Take him and move him out. Bring somebody in that's going to that's gonna investigate their own. If they're the best investigating, you know, a unit in the world, bring, give, give them, give them the, 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 the task of getting to the bottom of all this and give them the deadline because it should be done in short order. It shouldn't take a, a long time. It shouldn't take years. It's been years since 2016. We're talking about over six years of harassing Donald Trump and not coming up with anything in all this time. This is just wrong. And if you can, I don't care if you hate Trump or love Trump, doesn't matter. I wouldn't want this done to my worst enemy. Not in my name, not in the name of, of, of the United States of America. I don't call people who vote for AOC traitors. I'm not going to condone it. <laughs> I'm not going to condone chasing this climate change. You know, this is ridiculous. But people believe it. And I'm going to respect that they, well, I may try to convince them otherwise. But then I'm not going to accept the fact that they're going to criminalize the fact that I don't believe that this climate change thing is real. I'm not going to accept the fact that you're going to condemn me for thinking that way. This is America. Freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of religion, freedom. I certainly should be able to express myself in any way without threatening people. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I'm not going to go into what Biden did. If you can't see it, if it doesn't disgust you, rethink it. <laughs> Take a harder look at what's going on. If what Kamala Harris isn't, is, is saying about the border issues, about racial issues, about no bail issues for criminals. If that doesn't offend you, well, rethink it, relook at it, check it out. And check out, if you, if, especially if you're local here in San Diego, John Hemeline for Sheriff. And uh, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being subscribers. Yeah, we're getting back on schedule. I'm New York Mike. I'm out. Thanks for listening to Rolling with New York Mike. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to keep this podcast rolling.